0: Welcome to the Heal Podcast for all things related to Lyme disease and other chronic illnesses. I'm Mimi McLean, Mama Five, founder of Lyme 360 and a Lyme Warrior. Tune in each week to hear from doctors, health practitioners, and experts, to hear about their treatments, struggles, and triumphs to help you on your healing journey. I'm here to heal with you. Before we get started with the podcast, I wanted to talk to you about what is in your personal care products and cosmetics. What you put on your skin, which is your largest organ, is just as important as what you consume. Your body immediately absorbs what is on the skin. But did you know that there is limited regulation in the personal care industry? And the last law that was passed was 1938. So the chemicals and ingredients in your products have not been tested for human safety. So for those of you struggling with your health, it is super important to use clean products. Eight years ago, I started using Beauty Counter for my cosmetics and personal care products. They are the leaders in clean, safer products that work. Beauty Counter has done the research and taken the guesswork out of what is safe. Go to lime360.com forward slash beauty counter to learn more. Reach out to me at Mimi at lime360.com if you want to learn more or find out what my favorite products are. Welcome back to The Heal Podcast. This is your host, Mimi McLean from Lyme 360. And today we are talking to Dr. Rena Maffei. If you're having any neurological symptoms with your Lyme, today's episode is for you. Dr. Maffei is full board certified in neurology and integrative medicine. As such, she is passionate about using functional and integrative philosophies to prevent and reverse a host of chronic conditions. Dr. Murphy is particularly focused on helping patients work through neurodegenerative disorders. To get my Detox for Lyme checklist, go to lyme360.com forward slash detox checklist. Hi, Dr. Murphy. I'm so happy to have you on today. Thank you for your time. I'm excited to talk to you about neurological Lyme because I actually haven't really spoken to many doctors about this to date. And I do think it affects a lot of Lyme patients. So thank you for coming on. And so my first question is when you see a patient that comes to you that you know they think that they have Lyme, I guess that's a good question to start with is when they come to you, do they already know they have Lyme or are they coming to you for neurological issues and you realize they have Lyme?
1: More often the latter. I'm not well known as specifically just a Lyme specialist. So I'm known as an integrative neurologist. So a lot of people with chronic neurological issues will come to see me because they're looking for a different sort of a different angle or a different spin that they haven't seen taken by their traditional neurologist. So most oftentimes it is because I'm detecting it. I'm looking for it and detecting it. But certainly there are people that know they they have it. They've already been diagnosed with it and also happen to have... Chronic neurological issues who come to see me as well, mm-hmm. and what would you
0: say like the correlation is between someone with neurological issues and Lyme? Is it a high percentage or?
1: Well, it's hard to say. I mean, data-wise, or I don't have any good data on that. It's it would all just be sort of based on you know my experience. You know, uh, the more I've been looking for Lyme, the more I've been trying to sort that piece out, the more I'm realizing that Lyme can be an issue for a lot of people with, for example, multiple sclerosis or Alzheimer's disease or other neurodegenerative diseases. It's not to say that I, I find it in every case or highly suspected in every single case, but it's hard for me to kind of give a hard number on that.
0: Yeah. With my doctor that I went to for my my hypothermia treatment, he he treats a lot of ALS patients and he was saying that almost 100% of his patients had Lyme and they didn't even know it, it just progressed, but he just happened to just do Lyme tests on them before they went into treatment. So sure. I, I think a lot of people realize, they don't realize the correlation. I think a lot of times there's been, at least cases I have read where like they thought they had MS and really it was Lyme or, so it just kind of to bring awareness to people that Lyme does cause neurological issues and, and whatnot what do you think you do differently for like, you know, helping patients that a typical neurologist does?
1: That's a really good question. So I tell people that, you know, there, cause I do certainly have people that come that are clueless and they're like, well, I just heard that I should come and see you. I don't really know how, what exactly you do that's different. So I always open with, you know, I just, I practice using a d- different GPS system, you know, and I, kind of view health differently than traditional neurologists or any traditional specialists for that matter, because, you know, we're kind of trained to think in silos and to think, you know, about Mm -hmm. just focusing in our one little area. So I practice differently because I'm thinking about all the different nodes of health and I'm, you know, thinking about how things like your hormones, your gut, you know, detox, you know, all the different aspects of your health are Impacting, you know, your manifestation of disease. So that's mainly how I'm different. We're looking for root causes. We're looking for drivers, triggers, mediators of disease. So I think that that boat just gets missed. It's just not in the training and in your know, Western medical training, unfortunately.
0: No, it's true. I was having a conversation. Actually, my gardener has Parkinson's, and because I've been affected by a neurological Lyme, you know, he was shaking. We started talking, and he said oh, I had coffee today. And so it causes my symptoms to trigger more. And I -hmm. I said to him, yeah, same with me. If I have do something, all of a sudden my symptoms become worse. So I would love for you to just kind of talk about things that maybe you suggest to your patients, like what could be triggers? If it's food, if it's stress, like are there things that you kind of tell people like you need to kind of get in order to help reduce your symptoms?
1: Yeah, so... um patient when they come for the first time, I'm always having a conversation about food and nutrition because that's so foundational and important. In most chronic neurodegenerative sorts of diseases, I'm almost always kind of trying to convince people to eat as many vegetables as they can, very high quality fats, good quality proteins, organic food as much as possible and to really really watch carbohydrate intake there's a lot of data now showing that sugar is not good for the brain you know <laughs> carbohydrates you know gluten in particular is not good for the neurological system in general you know it can be a hard sell but it can make a huge difference for some people just to take that step and to make changes from eating their standard american diet to you know kind of making these huge huge lifestyle changes so that's always a primary mm-hmm. thing that i'm talking to people about i'm always i'm always you know often in the first visit talking about detox and toxins in your environment because in neurodegenerative disease in general i think two of the biggest players or factors that get missed by, you know, traditional neurologists or Western trained doctors in general. I think two of the biggest kind of buckets I tell people is toxins. So toxins can be, you know, toxic and then also infections. So stealth infections. So, I mean, that does include Lyme, but it includes a lot of other things. So you could have hidden hidden things in your gut you could have bacteria that are causing trouble. You can have parasites, you can have, you know, different sorts of things that just don't get detected. So so in neurodegenerative disease, I'm always looking for those things in particular, but as far as counseling people, you know a lot of times talking to them about detox and mm-hmm. giving them resources and telling them how to clean up their environment and starting with clean food, clean water, clean air, and so on. So you know those are big openers for me is food, clean up your environment and then stress is a huge huge piece too so people don't realize how inflammatory stress really is you know i'm guilty myself of not being the best at managing my stress you know it's just, it's one of the hardest things to kind of nip in the bud it really is mm-hmm. i tell people you can't make stress go away that's impossible it's all about how we perceive it and how we deal with it so So I'm always talking to people during the first visit a little bit about that, giving them some resources, giving them options. Not everybody's into meditation, you know, so I'm telling people, there are different things you can do. You can take a bath, you can find a hobby, you can, you know, just find something to be in the moment and just kind of get away from it all. And just little things, you know, set your alarm on your phone once or twice a day to just as a reminder, you know, to take time out, you know, do something. No, it's true. Take some deep breaths, or you know, whatever it may be. So, it's stress is really huge, and sleep—you know, sleep is so important. It's a time for the brain to detox, and it's a time for our immune system to kind of keep itself healthy. So, sleep is is really really important. So, talking to people about that as well, and then exercise. So, moving moving around and exercise hugely important for almost <laughs> all aspects of health, but specifically for the brain and the nervous system, I would say too. So always kind of talking to people about that, especially if they're not accustomed to to moving much, you know, to mm-hmm. baby steps, whether it's just taking a five-minute walk, you know, to start out with every day and then kind of trying to build up from there. So, you know, that's kind of where I start with people.
0: Yeah. No, that's great advice. Um, sometimes it's so much harder than you think, especially the exercising when your body hurts or... You're not right. able to, you know, it, it's hard to break that habit or to get into that habit, I should say. So I have a question. If Why do you think some people with Lyme progress into neurological Lyme versus others? Is there something that's a, like like you're saying, like in their gut biome that's causing that? Or, you know, like my husband's had Lyme and he hasn't had neurological issues, whereas mine went right into neurological issues. Is there something that someone can do to prevent? Like if they find out they have Lyme, is there something that they can do to kind of prevent it from going neurologically?
1: Yeah, it's, it's hard to say and predict who will or will not. You know, everybody has a different constitution, yeah. right? And everybody has a different genetic makeup and vulnerabilities. And so your environment is going to affect, the environment is going to affect people in different ways because of that. So, you know, some people get Lyme and get their initial course of antibiotics and they're fine and they never have issues with it, right? And some people struggle. So I think it's that subset of people in my mind, um, this is not scientifically based, but in my mind, it's that subset of people that have a little more of an imbalanced, you know, immune kind of checks and balances Mm -hmm. system that are more vulnerable to having Lyme invade the brain and nervous tissue, like specifically in in the brain, you'll get a lot of inflammation and damage and of these these group of cells called the microglia, which are like the resident immune cells that kind of like patrol the environment you know they kind of go crazy you know and they and they they're meant to respond to pathogens and damage but then once they see something like Lyme and somebody who doesn't have a very balanced you know immune checks and balances system, they kind of go haywire and as a result end up causing a lot of damage along the way. So I think, you know, it's, it's just, you know, people with those constitutions that have less immune regulation that are more prone to.
0: Yeah. Is there some kind of test to determine like how severely damaged from neurological perspective, you know, if it's like a, a CAT scan or an MRI, or is it a, just a more of a clinical analysis?
1: Um, there's no one specific test and I kind of take it case by case and depending on what sorts of diagnoses they have, how they're manifesting illness, you know, MRIs of the brain can certainly be helpful. So for example, somebody with multiple sclerosis who happens to also have Lyme disease, MRIs are, are very helpful because they, they show us if you still have progression of that pathology from, from what's happening. So that is helpful. If somebody has a lot of peripheral nervous system damage, you know, like from neuropathy or something like that, you know, there are tests that we can do like nerve and muscle testing, like an EMG test, which can be helpful to kind of gauge where you're at with that illness, but there's no, really no one specific test that I'll kind of order just to manage Mm -hmm. every single patient with Lyme. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. You know what? One of my Lyme doctors did once, and I don't know if you've ever done this with a patient, and it was kind of eye opening me to me because I never happened before. You know, I showed up. He was a Lyme doctor, and I said to him, "You know, here's my binder." It was the first time I got to him. You know, here's my binder of all my tests. He's like, "No, no, no, I don't need to do that." He's like, "I just need you to walk in a straight line and see if you can do the sobriety test." And I was mm-hmm. like, what? And I was like, I'd never heard that before. And I was like, why would you want me to do that? And he like, said, just, just do it. And I was like, okay. And I started to do it. I fell over. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my God, I've never had anybody ask me to do that. I'm like, why did I just fall over? And he's like, because it's affected you now neurologically. And I don't even need to see your Lyme test because now mm-hmm. I know you have it. And I was like, mm-hmm. I like, just sat there and was crying. I was like, oh my God, I never realized I can't walk in a straight line and he's like, "Yeah, that's how much it's progressed." And I was, and that was just very eye opening to me. So I don't know if you've ever done that before for a patient, but um, that was my experience with my Lyme doctor with
1: neurological testing. Yeah, well, as a matter of fact, I do it with every single patient because that's just part of my training mm-hmm. as a neurologist. So, well, often we almost always do that because we're looking for signs of what are called. Cerebellar dysfunction. So there are these parts of the brain called the cerebellum. They sit low, just kind of under the cortex of the brain. And they're chiefly involved in balance, you know, coordination and balance. So oftentimes people with cerebellar dysfunction won't be able to pass the. The sobriety test but there are other reasons besides that for people to not perform well on that test as well so obviously if they have weakness you know right that might affect them if they have sensory imbalance that could certainly you know throw off their proprioception and throw them off as well so it is a little bit of a sort of assessment of more specifically like I said the cerebellar we call it cerebellar ataxia but can also kind of suggest just dysfunction and, you know, other areas of the nervous system as well. Yeah. Is there
0: anything that you would recommend generically to everybody, obviously without seeing any patients, right. Could not giving a medical advice, but, like, is there anything that besides what we were talking about before with, you know, the water, sleeping, stress, food, is there anything like, you know, that you would say, okay, everyone should make sure like, Hey, their vitamin D is high or like fish oil, like something that what protects your nervous system as far as supplements?
1: Sure. So as far as general things, I would say the number one and number two are probably fish oil high quality fish oil. And sometimes Mm -hmm. you need somebody trained, you know, to kind of test your levels, what are called omega levels and to see, you know, if you need more of the EPA or the DHA or GLA, you know, um, these sorts of things to kind of get a sense of that. But most high quality fish oil supplements are pretty balanced in terms of their EPA and DHA. So I'm always recommending somewhere Generally, between one and two grams a day, at, you know, at least for a fish oil of combined EPA and DHA, and then also vitamin D, hugely important. You know, vitamin D, we're finding, you know, functions more like a hormone than a vitamin, and it has so many roles to play, and certainly so important for the nervous system, the immune system. So, vitamin D almost invariably. I mean, I live in Chicago, and I mean, I'll have patients over the summer tell me like, well, I'm, I'm out all the time. You know, I'm in the sun. I go to the lake, I go to the beach. And sure enough, their vitamin D levels are low. So almost always, I myself take vitamin D year round. But it again, you have to work with somebody who's checking your levels because there's a U-curve with vitamin D and you don't want to be too high too or too low on right. vitamin D. So I would and say and what level no. do you usually like cuz I think the the standard
0: level that you see is lower than what really you should be right like don't they recommend normally I don't even know the numbers but usually it's higher you want
1: Yeah so most labs will say anything above 30 is considered adequate I in my mind I like to see people at least at 50 so somewhere okay. between 50 and 70 is what I yep. is my my rule Right. Right. Okay. Well, this has been great.
0: What else? Is there anything you would like to close on or anything that we haven't covered as far as neurological diseases, Lyme issues that you see
1: on a day-to-day basis? I guess the only other thing I would want to kind of add is just to let people know that I think it's not as well known yet, unfortunately, that there's a lot more to be investigated and a lot more interventions that can be done for people with chronic neurological disease in general. I'd like to get the word out there that, you know, if you can find somebody trained in integrative or functional medicine, there's a lot of hope out there. The standard way that we practice medicine is, you know, to name it, blame it, tame it, which essentially means you assess and find out what the disease is, oftentimes when it's really, really late into the game and then you assign a drug or a procedure or a surgery, which definitely have their roles. I still use medicines, you know, quite often, but the whole notion of well, what caused it, what triggered it, what's mediating it, that gets missed. So I, I, mm-hmm. I just want to put it out there that there is hope for people and that um, if you find somebody trained in this style of practice, I think you can, you know, have a lot more success in your treatment, on your treatment path.
0: No, it's true. I like how you brought up the point about the root cause because, you know, that is important. It's like what, what is causing it, right? Because you could be treating it with whatever drug that they're recommending, but if there's a root cause, it's still like inside you, say, say it's some toxin it's still causing it, right? So it's then you're fighting that versus like, let's try to remove it somehow if we can, if it's possible. Going back to my gardener example, he's like, you know, I still think to this day I was a Marine and he's like, I was, you know, was exposed to all this stuff when I was in the Marines, these chemicals and shots and I was kind of like a guinea pig. And he goes, I I honestly think that's what what caused it. And I was like, oh, because he's, you know, because he's a gardener, I'm like, well, maybe it's lime because you've been bitten and you've had lime so much. He's like, maybe that too. So it's just... Like yeah. he, at least he was thinking about it. He's like, I know it's from this, like what what was causing this, you know, and what can I be doing?
1: Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you very much. I really
0: appreciate your time. And for anybody who's listening, um, again, you can find Dr. Maffey at Case Integrative Health in Chicago. Correct. Yeah, perfect. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Each week, I will bring you different voices from the wellness community so that they can share how they help their clients heal. You will come away with tips and strategies to help you get your life back. Thank you so much for coming on and I am so happy you are here. Subscribe now and tune in next week if you wanna learn how I detox and you wanna check out my Detox for Lyme checklist, go to lime 360com forward slash detox checklist. You can also join our community at Lime 360 Warriors on Facebook and let's heal together. Thank you.